Welcome to my journal. In this place where you now journey, you will find the path is winding. In this place where I've been mining, the lights you see are diamonds shining because even though this place is dark, there are jewels that I've been finding. This is a quest for the curious who keep questions at the ready. The inquisitive who never entirely tire of inquiry and have wiry, quick, spit fiery wits. This is a trip to outer places that requires no passports or suitcases and the only carry on are the conversations I carry on. My plan is to unpack the complex and connect the simple to context so that I can show you that things that seem plain are anything but mundane since I can see how even the inane can be interesting. My goal as your guide on this ride is to paint pictures with paragraphs so you can see what I'm saying as I traverse the canals of your ears. I hope that what you hear brings you nearer to understanding, takes you far from where you are, and moves you closer to some truth. This episode is just a preview of things I plan to do in season two so you'll have a clue of where we'll journey. Never forget, this trip is a multi-sensory sensation. It's also not a monologue since I welcome participation. We're going to take a quick pause. So when I get back, I'll tell you how to engage in this two-way communication. And when I'm done with that, sit back, because it's on to our destination. Thank you for tuning in to Journeyman's Journal. This podcast is born out of my curiosity about the world and my love for storytelling. With every episode, I want to make the content better and reach more people, but I need your help to do that. Please share a link to your favorite episode via email, or if you're on Facebook, you can share it and tag three or four of your friends or family that you think would really dig what I'm doing. More importantly, I want to hear from you. If you listen on Anchor, you can leave me a voicemail through the app, Or you can also connect with me on Facebook or Instagram by searching Journeyman's Journal, where you can message me directly or leave a content on some leave a comment on something you see. The fullest experience of this podcast is really through the website on jmansjournal.com. You'll see more pictures, video, and I'm adding transcripts of the podcast when possible. As I build the site out through season two. You'll find recipes, reviews from some of my favorite places to eat and shop, and you'll find more of my poetry, photography, arts, and crafts. You'll even see some recommendations for some of the shows that I love to listen to. You can also sign up for my newsletter, which I promise will always be brief and keep you up to date when new episodes drop, when there's special content, and I've even got a few giveaways in the works for this summer. Thanks again for helping me turn this vision into a dream come true. Now, back to the episode. Atypical neurology, or neuroatypical, is a term used to describe anyone whose neurological structure deviates from the norm. And this is manifest in a variety of conditions from attention deficit disorder and anxiety to bipolar disorder and autism. Understanding my own neurodiversity has allowed me to live a happier life by recognizing that I do see the world in ways that are unique. And I'm just beginning to understand what that all really means. 
In my first Keystone episode for season two, I'm gonna take a deep dive into this topic of neurodiversity and explore the history of mental health and how it impacted me. Two of the biggest problems that in American healthcare and society are the way mental health is treated and the stigma that still exists around it. Like dentistry and ophthalmology, mental health has for some reason been put in a side category of our healthcare system as if we came into the world with no eyes, no teeth, and no brain. <laughs> it wasn't until relatively recently that coverage for mental health services was mandated to be part of our healthcare plans, but unfortunately those regulations were stripped away. There are a shortage of healthcare professionals, making it at times difficult to get treatment, even if insurance isn't a barrier. But the stigma is the really difficult thing, uh, the judgment that can come with having a disorder of the mind and the challenges that come with it. The stigma around mental health is probably the biggest hurdle we have to overcome. This is a great time to be having this conversation because that stigma is lifting. More than ever, people are comfortable talking about their mental health, sharing their experiences with therapy and realizing that there should be no shame or guilt in having a mental health challenge. I hope that one day people talk about their mental health more casually and with no more judgment than we discuss having the flu and that getting treatment is as easy as, as calling the doctor and getting seen so you can get some antibiotics. I hope to understand how the system got so broken, how it impacted me, and more importantly, what can we do to fix it? The Keystone episodes are also deeply personal. In the last one, I told you about my father's death and how it shaped my life. In the next one, I'm going to talk about growing up in Charleston, South Carolina, and what it means to be a Pan-Africanist in the age of Black Lives Matter. I believe that Charleston is the most beautiful city on the planet, which isn't to say that it's the most beautiful city ever, but if there is some place that's more sublime, it's not on the planet Earth. Race and racism are the most complex issues in our world today, I would say. It shapes institutions, societies, day-to-day -day lives. It changes so many things, and there are no easy solutions. But I do believe with understanding comes progress. Being black in America is no easy thing, but there is also much beauty and great joy in this experience. And I wanna delve into all of that. I've already recorded an episode for season two, and I'm gonna be spending a lot more time in my own neighborhood, Seminole Heights in Tampa, Florida. This area is just three miles north of downtown and, and it was sparsely populated until 1911 when developer T. Roy Young built the first community here. The area fell onto hard times over the decades and uh, by the 1990s, it was in pretty rough shape. But then by the 2000s, it began to rebound and was actually highlighted as one of America's best neighborhoods. Today, it's home to great places to eat, beautiful parks, the Tampa Zoo, and more than a few breweries, which I really enjoy. I spoke to Renee Valenzuela, who in an important way was part of that Seminole Heights revival and more than 20, and for more than 20 years now has been adding great texture to this community. 
One of the news stories that caught my attention in the past year was the, the discovery of lost graveyards around Tampa. First it was one, then it was two, and now it seems there may in fact be many more. Ray Reed is a former Hillsborough County employee who's working to restore the dignity to places where Tampa's former residents have been laid to rest, forgotten, and sometimes built over. I'm really looking forward to this story because it touches on all the major points I like to cover. Faith, philosophy, culture, science. Burial rites are serious matters and have to account for cultural and religious tenets while balancing municipal regulations along with state and federal laws. When graveyards end up with structures like schools or housing developments on top of them, there are lots of questions to be asked and answered. The discovery of human remains can bring construction to a standstill, redraw blueprints, and can become very expensive in an effort to identify where all the graves are, especially if they have to be relocated. Scientists using ground-penetrating radar and other archaeological methods have to do intensive work to make sure that they actually find where all the people were, were left. There's more to this story than can even be discussed here, but it's really going to be a great episode. My first episode of season two is going to be a timely one because it will cover the effort to find a cure or vaccine for COVID-19. I recently heard the U.S. Secretary of Defense on the news guaranteeing that the U.S. military is going to have a vaccine by the end of this year. While I hope he's right, I just think he's being overly optimistic. One of the reasons I'm excited to bring this episode to you is because it's going to feature a truly brilliant and beautiful guest, my lovely wife, Ellen. She's a clinical research nurse and has years of experience in research. For the better part of two decades now, she's been in the lab and in the medical office, working with patients, doctors, researchers, and regulators as they turn ideas for medical treatments into actual medicine that people take. The long and short of it is, when it comes to any kind of medical treatment, the process is long and detailed, and it's for a good reason. At the end of the day, we're dealing with lives. That's a preview of what I know right now. I'm always working on new content and ideas for shows. I'll be connecting with some old guests and finally getting to speak to some people I've been wanting to talk to for a while. Right now, I'm gonna take a little break, and when I get back, you're going to be treated to a sample of the first short story I've ever completed. Cisa is nearly staggering as they move into the darkness between two old buildings. Those few moments when they were out of sight go on forever as I come to the edge of the alley. I stay out of sight and poke the camera on my phone around the edge of the building so I can get a view of what's happening. Drunk off his influence, she's googly-eyed and grinning before leaning in with her lips pursed. Kissing deeply, she can barely stand, so the slick talker leans her against the wall. Pulling his silk shirt open, Cesar runs her hands over his chest. He peels her shawl off as she pulls him closer. She pauses for a moment, inhaling deeply and releasing the breath as if she just took a large puff of smoke. Then it happens. Romeo peels himself off of her and slaps Cisa across the face, nearly knocking her flat. 
Cease is shocked. Her head is rattling as she looks around trying to get her bearings. He slaps her again. Not as hard, but it brings Cease out of her daze and she starts running toward the street. Romeo's too fast and cuts her off, shoving her back the other direction. Screaming at the top of her lungs, she scrambles, looking for any kind of weapon and pulling down trash cans and boxes as she heads for the other end of the alley. Romeo runs up on her again, snatching her hair and tripping her, sending Cesa crashing to the ground face first. The dank uric smell of Cesa's fear swells out of the alley, hitting me in the face. The slick talker's nostrils flare as he breathes in the aroma of his freshly prepared meal. He moved on Cesa in a blur. Intoxicated by her fear and panicked thoughts, he snatches her up by the arms, letting her feet dangle as he slowly licks her from neck to cheek, savoring the cocktail of dirt and sweat and tears. I stopped recording, pocketed my phone, and checked the leather braces on my wrist to make sure they're tight before walking into the alley. The crackle of glass under my boots makes the man's eyes turn toward me, a silvery string of saliva stretching from his tongue to Cease's cheek as he tilts his head back and shifts his eyes towards me. She's too terrified to let out more than a shrill whisper, her blood-smeared lips barely moving. Keep moving, he says. Hey, hey, you stop hurting her. I'm acting as if I don't know what's really going on here to make him drop his guard. Perfect. Two meals instead of one. He drops Cesa and she crumples to the ground. Romeo walks towards me slowly while I jitter about like I'm trying to find a way around him in the narrow space. Tilting his head and smiling, I see his body tighten for a lunge at me. I drop two slugs in his chest. I look him in the eye and smile back before his lights go out and he crashes to the pavement. He never saw the shots coming. My draw is too quick and he wasn't expecting that he would end up the night's prey. Clearish, pinkish blood, or whatever passes through a vampire's veins for blood, oozes out of the chest wounds. I wait to see his body start to shrivel before I take my revolver off of him. These things have a nasty habit of playing possum and being hard to kill. That was a reading from Soul Walker. I initially wrote the story almost 11 years ago and just recently decided to blow the dust off it. I have tons of creative outlets, poetry, drawing, photography, sketch comedy, arts and crafts, power carving and woodworking. I'm swimming in ideas and a lot of times I'm just making stuff because I like to make it. While I have the ambition to be more public with my works, between ADD life and not being sure how to move forward, I held myself up. Ultimately, I just threw my concerns to the wind and started doing a bit of this and a bit of that and then decided I'll figure out how to make it all work together. That's what you're experiencing now. And it's getting deeper on the website. I'm gonna make access to a complete copy of Soul Walker along with some bookmarks and other arts and crafts that I'm making, some of the gifts for my Patreon supporters. So if you want to find out what happens to Cisa and Toro, 
visit jmansjournal.com to get on the mailing list and you'll be one of the first to know when the Patreon launches. Now I have one other passion project that even predates my desire to do this podcast. For almost 20 years, I've been working on a story and when I lit the fire for Journeyman's Journal, I realized I could adapt that story as an audio drama. Static core, that static like on the TV or radio, and core like Marine Corps, C-O-R-P-S, chronicles the battle for who will shape the world in a future torn apart by the fracturing of space-time and rebuilt using mind-bending technology. This is more than a story about good guys versus bad guys or a ragtag team of heroes up against a brutal villain or an oppressive regime or a heartless corporation. This is about a conflict between societies as different as night and day, who are all contending with natural and extra-dimensional forces that, if left unchecked, will turn our reality inside out. This is a story that blends my love for history, politics, science, and science fiction, superheroes, and all with epic adventures. On the surface, this is a cyberpunk genre featuring megacities shrouded in shadows that only give way to the sizzling lights that gleam from the high-rises. But the story is much deeper, traversing hard science, philosophy, asking big questions about the nature of our own origins and existence. If you like The Matrix, Repo Men, Blade Runner, Neuromancer, or Altered Carbon, you're going to love Static. I'm currently working with two illustrators, David Carmona out of Columbia, South America, and Mark Faison, based in Germany. They're both amazing, and they're using their illustrative skills to bring Static Core to life. My ultimate vision is to see Static become an animated series built on a deep, integrated fan experience. That includes a video game. What that means is that as fans create their own characters and teams across a variety of platforms, and start having their own adventures, eventually those will start to cross over into the story that's being produced on the screen. And adventures I could have never dreamed up start to make their way into the story that you would get to see. Control, Alt, Delete, Reset is an after action report for an internal affairs investigation that threatens to permanently remove our heroes from duty in the static core an organization they gave blood to build. After returning unexpectedly from exile to find the static nation in disarray, their enemies stronger than ever, they quickly find themselves in a race to destroy a 300-mile-long wall that threatens to cut off the Gulf of Mexico from the Atlantic Ocean. There's a grim secret buried in the Gulf Gate State Barrier, and when it's found out, the static nation goes to work making the guilty pay. There's so much to this story, I decided to write an encyclopedia of sorts called The Doom Trooper's Guide. It's as much a way to fill in the backstory of Static as it is a handbook for the members of the Static Nation. Be warned, there are some sound effects in the following clip. Check out this transmission.
If you are hearing this audio file, you have been inducted into the Static Core. Thank you in advance for your support and contribution to our work and struggle. The Static Nation is the explicit authority on broken space, an environmental condition which has reshaped the planet, the solar system, and more substantially, the nature of reality itself. And while it may be wild and fun on occasion, this condition does pose a threat to every single living thing. That's you, that's me, that's the birds, that's the bees, that's the ticks and the fleas. The static is actively engaged in a conflict that has many root causes, human rights violations, territorial disputes, and most importantly, control over the flow of time and the shaping of space. You are about to enter a world of extreme bonga. The information contained herein will assist you in navigating those dangers, but it won't help if you don't use it. This is a living document, and as part of your tour of duty, we need your assistance in adding information to this encyclopedia. The Doom Trooper's Guide. I'm the Doom Trooper himself, and I have made it my business to provide this compendium of information such that you might not get reformatted into something unnatural on your first day on the job. That would be very unfortunate. All kidding aside, this guide is for your safety, so please get to know it and use it often. Chapter 1 Introduction so far as we know, space and time have always been one and the same thing. Space-time is the fabric of the cosmos and reality itself. The nature of the world as we know it depends on this fact. That space and time have become severed from one another has ramifications that are too complex to be fully described. But it is suffice to say that the result in its most extreme is a radically altered environment and reality. Today. Power lies in the hands of those with the knowledge and technology to manipulate space and or time. Your survival will depend on your ability to master this technology that will al and allow you to navigate through this world successfully. But more so, it will depend on your ability to manage the complex economic, social, and political systems the static core is in conflict with. Section 1. The Collapse and Modern Physics the collapse. Sometime between the year 2000 and 2003, a series of explosions at chemical plants and gas stations around the world marked the end of civilization as it had been known. The collapse should be understood as both the fall of society and the collapse of unity between space and time. Because time is broken, it is impossible to know at the exact date when this catastrophe struck. What caused the collapse is, is not really understood. However, leading theories related to the geomagnetic reversal phenomenon in which the Earth's magnetic field becomes unstable and can in fact invert, flip upside down, north becomes south. This instability which persists to this day occurs at random and lasts for hundreds of years. Over the past 83 million years or so, the magnetic poles have actually flipped 183 times. This era is considered to be apocalyptic. Complete lawlessness took hold as social so, so, political structure crumbled. Unattended facts began leaking chemicals and exploding. Utilities could not be maintained and food became increasingly scarce. It was a bad time for all. 
runaway wildfires, extreme flooding and tides, enormous swarms of deadly insects and other species never before recorded made the natural environment incredibly hostile. And add to that, man's exploitive nature in desperate times and psychosis caused by broken space, this period is also referred to as the second dark age. How long this period lasted is unknown. Again, we don't know what we year don't know. It is. The world would would rebuild, 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 and what and when it did, a new universal date and time were set. The current timestamp at the date of this publication is day three hundred twenty-three in the year of two thousand one hundred and forty-five. Broken space. The degree to which space-time is broken varies greatly from place to place, and there is no succinct way to fully describe what it means for space and time to operate as separate forces. While there can be a variety of indicators that the space around you is broken, there is not a universal nor fully effective means by to make this determination. Use of detection devices and key observation are your best tools. Your eyes may fool you, but not your devices. Well, actually, your devices may fool you, too. So you just got to really pay attention. You'll find Static Core in all the same places you find Journeyman's Journal. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Control-Alt-Delete-Reset is just getting good, and I'm not far from finishing that first story. If you're curious about any of the things referenced in that after-action report, or want to get a bigger picture of the static universe, listen to the Doom Troopers Guide episodes. Just like with this show, it's a one-man production, and I'm still improving my skills. So, if you want to see it get better, your support is going to make a huge difference. Well, Journeyers, we've come to the end of the Season 2 preview. I know I've packed a lot in, but as promised, I'm making it easy for you to follow along with everything connected to the show. Hit the, hit the Facebook page and you'll see the episode pinned to the top with relevant links. Go to the Instagram page and you'll see associated content between the header and the footer for this episode. Of course, jmansjournal.com is the one-stop shop for everything that I'm producing. As always, I welcome your feedback, so hit me up. And until next time, I hope you are enjoying your journey.